I'm grateful that SJR Knowledge Series sessions have given me an opportunity to be talking to Prabhu Nityanandhi. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Firstly, I would like to thank you for writing this book, detailing in a very simple manner the life stories of all the 21 saints that you've written about. It made for a really interesting read. And I personally came to know of many saints that I had not even heard of. So let's start with something that you mentioned, which even Corina has spoken about while introducing you. Spiritual life is not a life of rejection. It is a life of connection. Could you please explain this to us? Yes. So thank you very much for having me over. This is <clears throat> not my philosophy, this is uh, Bhagavad Gita's philosophy. And uh, many times people have a misconception that uh, taking to spiritual life means giving up so many things in life and uh, running away from responsibilities. Sometimes people may just take it as a way to escape from their worldly duties. But we see in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna, he is... Uh, a prince, he is a leader, and he's knowledgeable, he's young. And sometimes people think, oh, we practice this when we get old. So Krishna is teaching through Arjuna. Arjuna wanted to run away, he wanted to give up his duty of being a Kshatriya. In fact, Krishna forced him to stay back. He said, Arjuna said, if I do this duty as a Kshatriya to fight this war, I would get sinful reactions. Krishna said, if you don't fight the war, you will get sinful reactions for not doing your duty. <clears throat> so again and again, he encourages Arjuna to not give up duty, but utilize whatever talents, expertise he has to serve him as per his will. So that is what spiritual life is all about. We don't have to give up what we are doing. We just have to add God into our life. And that's a very... Simple concept, but so simple that people miss it. We don't have to give up anything. We don't have to give up our lifestyle. We do not have to give up our home. We can live in palatial homes. We can enjoy life. We can earn money. And we can be moving out in the world. Uh, and at the same time, we also have God in the picture. So what we do is we just make God also a member of our enjoyment. Like we are here to enjoy, the soul comes to this world, comes to this world to enjoy. So what we are doing is we're just adding another member to your enjoyment. We're just adding another member to your family. We're just adding another member to your house. So that's what spiritual life is all about. Not rejecting anything, rather utilizing what we have to connect with God. That is why Gita is known as Yoga Shastra. Now there are two words, Yoga and Viyoga. Yoga means to link and Viyoga means just the opposite, to disconnect. So one of the names of the Bhagavad Gita is Yoga Shastra. It is known, known as Viyoga Shastra. Yoga means to link, to connect. It, it doesn't say it's a Viyoga Shastra. We have to disconnect from anything. It is meant for connection, reconnection, reestablishing that connection that we have lost, which is actually every human being's duty. We are all parts and parcels of God. So our duty is to serve the whole system being parts and parcels. So that's what we have to incorporate this uh, uh, conception that, no, you don't have to reject anything. You just add him into your life. An addition should never be a problem. Like uh, a miser, people who are misers, they have a problem giving away something. But even they would not have any problem when they have to just accept. So especially the Yuga we are living in, Kali Yuga, the Lord does not demand anything. Just, just add me to your life and your life will become auspicious. That's it. And that's what spiritual life is all about. And that's what I've been telling people. And rather than... So it is also the nature of the mind to work really hard to process a negative instruction. If you tell the mind, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, the mind is constantly thinking about what it is not supposed to do. It is very difficult. But if you simply tell the mind, do this, it immediately cooperates, accepts easily. So acceptance, 
not rejecting acceptance. That's the path of the Bhagavad Gita. And Bhagavad Gita has been spoken for people like us. So just add, and that's it. That's called a life of balance because human life doesn't just mean that we have to advance materially. A well-balanced human life means we also advance spiritually, and that's called a life of balance, like a parallel railway track. Both should go hand in hand if we want to be happy. Yes. <clears throat> what is the connection between spiritual life and devotion? It's synonymous. It's the same thing. See, if we are spiritual life means we are trying to reconnect with our source. And uh, uh, how we express that, like how we want to reconnect with a person. Suppose I want to develop a relation with somebody. It cannot be simply sitting in one place and thinking about it. We express it through our words, through our actions. So the words and actions that we use to glorify, to connect with Lord, to spread his message, to study, to hear his message, to apply it in our lives, those actions are called devotion. Uh, love and devotion, they are like synonymous words. So spirituality is understanding who we are. It's a set of practices that we apply in our life to uh, realign with our spiritual nature. And then we express it through our words, through our action. That's called devotion. Devotion is both internal as external. Internal means somebody might be having a lot of devotion, but he may just hide it within his heart because it's not something to be uh, highlighted or uh, publicized on your social media. Like everything people do nowadays, even if they're eating, uh, then let the whole world know what they're eating. And if they're going to sleep, they let the whole world know. Like I tell the joke, there was a time when if somebody would come into our house, some guests, some relatives, we would always have a secret diary and would always be worried that uh, somebody should not see what is there inside that. Somebody should not open the diary. Nobody should see. And nowadays we have those same diaries in the form of Instagram, Facebook, and we post something unless everybody has seen, we are worried. So how things have changed. Now we want the whole world to know. So somebody who has real devotion, he would not make a show of it. And that I have devotion, it is automatically expressed through his actions and words. So by that we can understand, just like uh, you have children, your children love you. So they love you, so automatically they would want to do something for you. They might get a rose for you, they might get a gift for you. So that is, so somebody which is inside, it just comes out through words and actions. That is called devotional service. The love of the heart gets expressed through your words and actions. Because love doesn't just mean simply sitting passively and doing nothing. I love you, I love you, I love you. But if the person is in need of a glass of water, oh, that I cannot get, but I love you. That's not love. That's not devotion. So it has to be expressed through words and actions. If we love somebody, we must love that person. And that's called devotional service. So spiritual life and devotion, they are non-different, just two words, and they mean the same. Okay. Okay. Uh, when did you feel this uh, devotion and the desire to move into the spiritual world? When did it start actually start kindling in, within you? You did make a move when you were just 24. But yes. the process must have begun rather early. So what was the calling? And what happened that that calling happened? I think it was just uh, in the family. But I come from Himachal Pradesh, North Indian family, where it is uh, quite natural, where pe uh, people worship Lord Shiva, Mother Parvati, like that. So I grew up in that, that kind of household. Of course, there was no Krishna in the picture. But they were worshipping Shiva and Parvati and other demigods. So it's only when I came to my college, which is in Maharashtra, in Baramati town, after my 12th standard. So second year of my engineering is when we came in touch with the devotees of the Lord. So the temple I'm a part of in Mumbai, Chopati. So devotees had come and it's a funny story. And there was an announcement. So actually what happened, I was a lot more into mystic 
kind of things. I was reading so many books uh, about the Himalayan yogis and uh, the mantras, the mystic perfections they had achieved and various conferences they would have every now and then in some uh, mystical places. And I was actually looking for a guru. And specifically, I zeroed down upon one person, but he was no more. But I found something. Couldn't get in touch with uh, that organization. So it was always my, you can say, time pass. I wouldn't say pastime. Where whenever I would see a bookstall, I would just run up to the bookstall and I would look for those books which would have something like Tantra, Mantra, Yantra, and Yoga and all that. So I saw a bookstall in. Uh, Baramati town and I ran up to them but I, when I look at the book they, I was very disappointed none of the books were talking about they were all about some scriptures so I said do you have a book on Lord Shiva they said no I said that then I'm not interested so it was a sadhu who was dressed up in white he spoke good English which was my first encounter anyways I didn't pay much attention then next morning there was an announcement in our college that today there will be a seminar on secret of happiness and we were very happy because college would get over at 5.30 and that day it was getting over at 3. So early means we would go and play our cricket. So we were very happy and we, as we passed by that seminar room, so we thought should we attend, should we not attend and finally we decided, me and my friends, we are not going to attend. As we were exiting the college building, I see two people entering, one in saffron, one in white. I had no idea that they had connection to the sadhu I met the previous day never met them and suddenly i stopped my friend hey, let us hear from them they speak good english so i said where is that coming from i didn't pay much attention then we heard in the end they announced they would like to conduct weekly Giza classes so we said okay Gita, i was always intrigued by always wanted to learn at least once in my lifetime that desire was there even during my college days i was always thinking once in my lifetime i want to understand what is there inside the Gita. So when they said it, we offered our cottage and they started coming every week and gradually we started liking it. And that's how the process began. And it just happened. Once you came in touch, once I came in touch with the process, then that uh, uh, <clears throat> move towards Krishna was, I think uh, it was beyond my control. And uh, Still, I was uh, hooked on to Lord Shiva. Whenever they would chant Krishna's name, there would be satsang. I would keep my mouth and eyes shut. I would not chant Krishna's name. And inside, I was praying. It was Ekadashi, like today's Ekadashi, Holy Day of Krishna. And I just prayed that, Krishna, I want to chant your name. I want to worship, but I am a Shiva devotee. How can I chant your name? This is how I prayed. So next morning when I was leaving, this was the only impediment at that time. So. The devotee gave me a Bhagavad Gita and as soon as he opened the Bhagavad Gita, guess which page opens? It is some 10th or 11th chapter where Krishna is saying, among the Rudras, I am Lord Shiva. That page opens and that was it. I closed the Bhagavad Gita, that was the end. And then it was just Krishna, it just happened. And uh, when I completed my engineering in 2006, so I came and joined the temple. So it was just, uh, I think, beyond my control also. There is a long story, but in short, I could, whatever I could share this platform. In one of the chapters of your book, you have written that uh, Lord Shiva says that the dearest to him is Lord Krishna, the one he loves the most. Yeah. So uh, he considers himself to be the disciple of Lord Krishna, in fact. True, true, uh, yes. So, there's um, uh, one thing which you have uh, written, and I am intrigued by it, uh, which says that our dear Lord Krishna, who becomes the main audience when the glories of his devotees are chanted. And you went on to say when you were speaking about King Kulikshekara, serving one pure devotee of the Lord for one day is equivalent to serving the Lord for 60,000 years. Could yes. you please elaborate on both these uh, statements? So in the United States or in the Western world, there is a saying, it's a crude example. If you love me, love okay. my dog. Yeah. 
if you love me love my dog right because yes. that dog is very dear to them you can uh, slap them but you can't say a word about the dog uh parents now do you have children sangeeta ji no i don't say somebody i have a nephew okay so i have a nephew that i really got on somebody whom you love the most so what will give you whatever what will give you greater pleasure when somebody serves or glorifies you or your nephew whom you love the most definitely yeah so that's what uh, krishna's heart is uh, there is a scripture called shrimad bhagavatam where there is a series of verses where he pours mm-hmm. his heart out where one great sage durvasa rishi he offended a great devotee by the name ambarish now mm-hmm. ambarish was doing ekadashi vrat for 12 months he had not eaten and this sage durvasa comes and he is a yogi mystic and ambarish is a devotee and ambarish was such a great devotee he is a king again not a life of rejection life of connection he was a king handling so many things he was also worshiping god so he performed this fast and for one full year he went to madhuvana place called vrindavan that spot is still there and he was about to break his fast and ekadashi fast has to be broken within a particular time period otherwise your whole fast uh, it goes in vain and ambarish was such a great devotee he had surrendered everything and he was utilizing every moment of his time in remembering and serving the lord and having discourses on the glories of the lord in his like in kulshekara in his kingdom and the kingdom was also running nicely so he was about to break the fast and durvasa rishi enters and he is like a transcendental personality so ambarish seeing a guest he offered him to eat but sage said i'll come back after some time going to take bath my noon bath he went he went into samadhi didn't come back only for a long time and the meanwhile the mohurat for breaking the fast was uh, passing so he consulted some brahmana they said you can drink little water because that is equivalent to eating and not eating as well until the fast would be broken so he had a drop of water when the sage comes back by his mystic power he understands oh you have eaten before the guest you have forgotten the shishtachar the etiquette he got so angry just because somebody had a drop of water the sage got so angry that he produced a fiery demon to kill ambarish for such a trivial mistake but because ambarish was so dedicated to the service of the lord he didn't know but the lord had stationed his sudarshan chakra to protect him always so the sudarshan chakra appeared and immediately de- destroyed the demon and then it ran after the sage sage went to brahma who who was about to come forward when he saw sudarshan he said you get away because otherwise my brahma loka would be destroyed then he goes to shiva shiva comes forward he, he said you just go away because my kalash will be destroyed then he goes to lord vishnu and lord vishnu is sitting uh, lying down with mother lakshmi's at at his feet massaging them and he falls down at lord vishnu's feet lord vishnu knows everything he said when he begged for forgiveness he said i can't do anything if you had offended me i would have forgiven but if you have offended my devotee and my devotees they are so dear to me they know no one but me i know no one but them they are my heart so unless he forgives you you can't be forgiven at another place he speaks a series of verses full of love and in another place in bhagavat the lord himself says that my devotees are so dear to me that uh, even if the conduct of the one of the limbs of my body is found hostile towards my devotee i will separate that limb from my body oh. there is another story there is another story in south india you heard about the place called kanchipur kanchipuram it's in south yes so kanchipuram there is a famous yes. deity of called lord vardaraj so there was a famous deity yes. of uh, the name who still there vardaraj there was a great devotee uh, kanchipurna he is there in the book also 
so he had he had such devotion that i have mentioned that in ramanujacharya's chapter he could actually reciprocate he could speak to the lord he would hear and everybody knew that that the lord speaks to him and his main seva was yes. to find the lord lord vardaraj that same deity who comes out only in one once in 46 years sometime back he had come out there was a lot of rush last year i think or last to last year so he was finding the lord and he asked the lord um, he just uh, has he was very hesitant but he for the first time he asked something about himself he said my dear lord uh, will i come to vaikuntha after i leave this world because the soul has to go somewhere there are heavenly planets hellish planets middle planets earthly planets there is a spiritual planet as well where the life, when the soul gets liberated which is the goal of human life so he said will i come back to you after i leave this world to your realm where there are countless living entities life is eternal full of bliss so the lord said just like we have this material world we have the spiritual world similar but th their things are pure and eternal sometimes people might wonder what is there in spiritual world same thing that is here but it's up there also in a purest form so the lord said no first what what uh, kanchipurna said he spoke about one of his disciples my dear lord will he come back to you in this lifetime the lord said yes he will certainly come back then he spoke about another disciple of will he come back is yes he asked about another devotee he said yes and then he asked about all his disciples who were learning from him and finally he hesitatingly asked will i also come back the lord said no you can't, you can't come back you won't be able to come back it may take you some millions of lifetimes to and he was like why you said all my disciples are coming back but you said i am not coming the lord said same thing he said you are serving me but they are serving you so their perfection is guaranteed because they are serving my dear devotee but you are trying to serve me directly so it it takes time so so then then and there itself kanchipurna put that fan down he said i am leaving your service i am going to go and serve your devotees he went spent few months then he came back the lord said now you are qualified so this see we have to approach god we have to approach on his terms and he has made it very clear my devotees are very dear to me and devotees are so dear that even if somebody is not a directly devotee of the lord but somebody is serving a devotee and he may never have any devotion but the lord will shower more grace on that person so it is better to always become a devotee of devotees rather than trying to directly approach the lord because that needs a lot of purity and a lot of uh, qualification which may not uh, have within one lifetime what if we somehow or the other please the devotees of the lord for sure will be blessed there is a verse in the adi purana which says that i think i have mentioned that in the book that one may have doubt that a devotee of the lord a direct devotee of the lord will be liberated but one should have no doubt at all that the devotee of the devotee of the lord will get liberated that's guaranteed so it's his heart and he is a person so that's how he deals he is very very inclined towards his devotees he speaks the same thing in the bhagavad gita as well so if we are connected to devotees of the lord then 100% will be blessed we may not be directly devotees or we may not have any devotional attitude but if we love devotees if we please them and they are pleased with us we are sure to get his blessing there are countless examples related to that of course we can have the whole session on that but we have to stick to <laughs> whatever time we have one thing which i noticed in your book that almost uh, all the 21 saints that you have described and written about uh, were born or are around in the era when emperor akbar was reigning the land hmm. is there a, is it just a coincidence or is there a connection with the ruler not really because uh, mogal rule was there for many many years and uh, it is just that oh. 500 years ago 1486 chaitanya mahaprabhu appeared who is uh, the manifestation of the lord in kali yuga he is known as hidden incarnation although mentioned in the uh, vedas mentioned in bhagavat mentioned in mahabharat not many people know about that but gradually the whole world is coming to know of it uh, so 
so when the lord comes to this world and he he appears as per the schedule so if any incarnation of the lord has to come into this world he should have been mentioned in the scriptures number one and incarnation of the lord always appears as per the schedule that is also mentioned where he'll appear what will the activities of the incarnation will be because every incarnation of the lord that comes has a specific mission and whenever the lord comes just like say the prime minister tomorrow decides to visit nagpur right so he has a set date say he wants to come 10 days later maybe 10th of feb so what happens is some people will go before him because that's when he decided to go some people will come with him some people will maybe come after him to do the work that he left behind so any great personality he doesn't come alone the law similarly when the lord has to come into this world he appears with a mission in mind and he brings along all his associates who have to assist him in his mission so some of them appear before some after some along with him so because it was a time period when the lord was scheduled to appear so that's why you see and coincidentally it is the same period when uh, all these uh, other personalities including akbar they, they had also appeared so uh, he was one of the kings uh, i think he's one of the kings who caught the opportunity to meet so many and i am not really sure but in bhavishya purana i have read um, he had some uh if all the accounts uh, that are mentioned are true so the bhavishya purana also mentions what events will take place in kaliyuga and which kings would appear so whatever will happen so akbar's name is also mentioned and he had some past life sukriti sukriti called uh, some uh, devotional connection and uh, that's what we see that he uh, was able to be more receptive uh to the in a past life no some connection was there bhavishya purana mentions so i'm just quoting bhavishya okay. purana so that's why we see um, there is some sort of receptivity to the culture and he was helping and uh, he was uh, given the opportunity more than that i was always thinking that such great souls and uh, why only this person was uh, getting the opportunity to meet because one doesn't get an opportunity to meet a great soul just like that it comes after lifetimes of prayers and hard work and once that happens the doors of liberation are open so yes. then i found this in, in bhavishya puran his name is also mentioned and there is some connection from the past and it is just oh, a coincidence this time of sub all the all these personalities were appearing So you're saying in Bhavishya Puran his name is Akbar is mentioned. It is mentioned. It is mentioned. I even Mira Bai, uh, Mira Bai's past life is mentioned. Shankaracharya, uh, his twenty disciples who would appear again in future and in what forms. So a lot of things. So I just went through that a little bit. So if the Bhavishya Puran that version, if you read, you can find a lot of details in that. Okay. Uh, is there any other uh, uh, apart from bhavishya puran is there a historical historical reference of uh, you know akbar's visits to vrindavan and his witnessing vrindavan in all its glory you have no. mentioned twice actually so bhavishya puran doesn't mention his visits to vrindavan and bhavishya puran doesn't just mention his name because you are specifically so i said so other kings are also mentioned in um, no, no. over Here in India, but I I understood your question. So, the, these incidents which I have mentioned in the book, hmm. they that that is just like uh, the incidents take place. How the knowledge is passed down to us. So there is there was a great saint of the same uh, name Nabhaji in Vrindavan. He has written okay. an elaborate account of all the devotees of Vrindavan. Okay. in that he specifically mentions this he has uh, uh, put everything in a book and it is one of the most famous book among the saints it's called bhaktamal and it has the details and i have taken some details from there from that book okay okay uh tell me prabhu why is it so difficult to go within and to connect with our soul 
does does is it necessary that you know you said spirituality is connection connection is equivalent to devotion mm -hmm. is it also equivalent to renunciation only then you can connect in the purest form with your souls no i did answer this right in the beginning we don't have to renounce see renunciation will automatically most, happen most i mean every person that you've written about actually mm. has lived a life of renunciation yes true mm. and some have gone through very very hard lives true so for example when you were talking about uh, you've written about jiva goswami for example mm. oh he has really been through a lot Right. So, why is that path of connecting so difficult? It is not difficult, but uh, uh, see, anything great has never ever been achieved without some hard work. And the twenty-one personalities mentioned in the book they teach us the highest standards. so if we don't know the highest standard of course we will never reach there we might never reach but at least we can try and follow in the footsteps if we don't aim for the highest standard at least if we don't know the highest standard we'll end up nowhere so if somebody's uh, uh, goal in life is uh, 33 marks aa jaye bas exam mein do you think he'll get 30 33 and that's how he studies he may just end up uh, attempting 25 marks and may just get 15 marks so somebody who is aiming for 100 then effort also is accordingly done so the lord teaches the world through those whom he loves the most so he uses his own devotees to teach us how life should be lived how a renunciant should be how a person who is living in a family should be like and renunciation is something which naturally comes it is not that it has to be done like you see the example of kulshekar so he was so deeply absorbed in love for lord ramchandra that uh, he couldn't tolerate any distra any distraction from that although he was doing it so just naturally it might happen but these are rare examples people who have renounced if you read bhagavatam countless examples you see the pandavas krishna forced them to sit on the throne and they were renounced also so renunciation of is of two types vairagya is of two types one is called phalgu vairagya one is called yukta vairagya phalgu vairagya means it's kind of superficial renunciation rejecting the things of this world considering them to be illusion that is one form of vairagya but vedanta sutra explains janmadi asyatah everything comes from the lord so if everything is coming from the lord how can something be unreal how can anything be material it is our vision that makes it material so then there is second form of vairagya or renunciation which is called yukta vairagya and yukta vairagya means not rejecting things of this world but utilizing the things of this world to serve him to connect with him and this is a higher form of renunciation because giving up something is easy but to use what we have in god's service is something which is extraordinary and uh, if you read the bhagavat you read mahabharat countless examples 99.99% were great kings who were living a life of pure devotion they were running kingdoms not just one or two companies and they had lakhs of people to take care of and they had a huge family and they would also have a temple they would also have festivals they would also have discourses and that way they were setting the right example so we need example for every type of person in society we need examples for renunciants so these people taught us how a true renunciant should be like and then there are examples who are living in family life for them also we need certain examples that they can follow so we have many kings living like that so wherever you are and whichever situation is best suited for you to revive that devotional connection with the lord that spiritual connection that should be taken up 
and uh, these personalities thought that this is how they wanted to connect they wanted to uh, renounce but there are many who didn't renounce and they were on the same equal platform so renunciation we have to know what is real renunciation like a laptop um, it was never invented by the company that one day it will be used for a webex meeting or discussing about the lot or having zoom discourses but we are using it so that's called uh, <clears throat> i may reject it also oh i should be a vairagi i should not. but then how will i reach out to people how will the message of the lord go so with the times things have to change so this is real renunciation where you living in a family you are using your status in society your resources in life your position in society to connect yourself with the lord and guiding others also towards that that's a higher form of renunciation to use what we have in the lord's service is also a renunciation and it is a higher form of renunciation so that uh, distinction has to be very clear can you please explain what is uh, you know lord's service is it doing your own i mean all of us come here for a particular soul purpose hmm. and we go about our life in the direction of achieving that soul purpose is that lord service or which which may or may not include the lord so would that also be called lord service where we are doing with utmost sincerity and devotion what is lord service so i didn't get the second point i i could be i have come here uh, in this planet i have a particular soul purpose which mm. probably my life is leading me to doing uh, on that path and right. i am going about that life with utmost sincerity meet with uh, the relationship with my own self or with mm. others in my life i may may not have added the divine as a part of my life right am i still in lord service or is it necessary to add the lord as a part of my family to be able to serve him absolutely essential the vedanta sutra see the life the mahabharat explains four activities are common between animals and humans eating sleeping mating and defending yes so what separates us from animals is or the other species is this special ability to inquire the questions like who am i where do i come from where will i go what is the purpose of life what is god what is my relationship how do i revive that relationship to inquire about our real dharma and the last line says dharmena hinah pashubhi samana and if the person is not seeking answers to these questions is not a human being is an animal because animals are also eating we are also eating sleeping but just that we are doing it in a more polished way that's it so we have to rise above the animalistic core propensities and human life truly begins when we start seeking answers to these questions and start working in that direction like uh, if i wear the uniform of a doctor do i become a doctor if i wear the uniform of a lawyer do i become a lawyer no i have to qualify myself so external body is simply like a garment the gita says simply by getting the body of a human one does not become a human or every body has a specific goal attached with it human life is specially meant for self realization god realization because other activities can be had in other species of life as well they also have their society they have their enjoyment they have their family and they have everything that we are doing but human body human life is specially for self realization for god realization so how can you be god realized without god's presence in your life so <clears throat> it is absolutely essential uh, and life should be lived not on the basis of what i feel and think is right or what the majority of the people are doing it around me or what the world is saying absolutely important that we uh, align our life with the scriptural injunctions which are considered the manual for life guide books scriptures are meant for humans if we don't study who else will do it 
and they are the guidebooks. So humans means uh, Vedanta Sutra explains Athato Brahma Jigyasa. As soon as one is born as a human being, he should do Jigyasa, inquiry. Inquiry about what? How to eat, sleep, mate, and defend. Animals are also doing that. Birds get up in the morning, they start chirping, where is food, where is my food, where is mama? So Athato Brahma Jigyasa. Inquiry about the Supreme Brahman, the Supreme Truth. That's the inquiry a human being should be making. And it is our duty, not a matter of choice. Like for children, it is their duty to serve their parents. So as parts and parcels of God, it is our duty to serve him also, add him also into our life. It is simply an act of gratitude. Imagine somebody has brought you up and then when you are grown up, you just kick him out of your life. Isn't that ungrateful? You don't acknowledge. So it is mentioned in the scriptures, there is atonement for every type of sin, but there is no, no atonement mentioned for an ungrateful person. It is such a big, big sin. It is simply, so when we come together to chant, to study or hear from the Gita, Bhagavatam, we go to a temple, we worship the Lord at home. These are simply ways of saying thank you for whatever you have blessed me with. We didn't just fall down from the sky. We or we chose a family, we chose something or we we had our own intelligence. Who gave us that body? Who decided everything? Who is maintaining us on day to day basis? We need water. OK, some companies may packet some water and we, oh, we thank the company. But who is the original source of water? If there are no rains, what will we eat? Nuts and mm -hmm. bolts? Yeah. We can't eat nuts and bolts. We have to eat grains. So if you go back, understand every moment we have to keep expressing gratitude. So even if, okay, God realization is not my goal, at least it is a sign of a cultured society to take time out to say thank you. That's why we have ritual. That's why we have all these things that we are supposed to hearing, chanting, studying of scriptures, worshiping the Lord. So gratitude. At least that is... The basic we can do, even if God realization is not my goal, at least say thank you. And that's why this is important to acknowledge the hand that feeds us. So it is something we can't do yeah. without. And if somebody thinks uh, uh, just by doing their work and being good, doing good is also their service to God, they are mistaken. Somewhere there is some problem. Then why should you have uh, uh, God? duty towards God and duty towards, uh, there are two dharmas, Bhagavad Gita mentioned, duty towards friends, family, society, and duty towards God. Both must go hand in hand. Why, why should I separate God? I'm just happy being good, doing good, and doing my duty. That's show short envy towards God. That's why you want to avoid that. But what is the harm if everything becomes auspicious? So that is only out of the deep-rooted envy. We don't want to worship him. We don't want him in our life. So that has to be done away with. It's an absolute necessity. It's a sign of gratitude. It's a sign of cultured society. When we acknowledge the source of the entire creation and our own source as well. Then what was the reason that uh, people started moving away from uh, religion and uh, more number of atheists were seen? Uh, mm. What's why? Why has that change uh, taken place? Time, time factor. So, one of the most powerful forces active in this world is time. Kala, we call it, and there is a personality also in charge of this particular force. He is known as Kala, destructive yes. force. And Kala is something that destroys everything with time. Because this is a material world we are living in. This is not a spiritual world. We are living in a material world, although we belong to the spiritual realm. We are stuck here in these material bodies. So when we come here, we have to have a suitable body to survive here. Just like if it is freezing winter in London, you might be sitting uh, in the comfort of your home in India nicely, simple clothes. When you go to London, you will have to wear different clothes to survive there. Similarly, to when the soul comes to this material world, soul means us. 
so then we you know in order to survive here we need to have a body which is made up of matter which is this is a material world and the nature of matter is it will have a beginning and an end and time plays an important role the, with time everything deteriorates and degrades and that's what happens in the universe sati yuga is the best of all yugas where everybody is more or less a devotee and every yuga religion comes down by 25% so 100% was there in sati yuga treta mein there was some deterioration 75 uh, 50 in dwapar and kali yuga we only have 25% and this degradation takes place with time and those who are born in, now it's not that people who are born in kali yuga bechara we are stuck and what to do why should we be born in kali yuga if those were the best ones we made choices we are given opportunity in every human form of life but we didn't utilize that so now we are born here but even though kali yuga is considered the worst of the yuga still uh, it is uh, in one sense the best once one some demigods the devatas the sages were asked which yuga would you like to be born in they said kali yuga unanimously said kali yuga is the worst of yugas why he said because in kali yuga life duration is short and the process of self realization is quick and easy so what is the process of self realization krite yadhyayato vishnum in sati yuga the process was meditation on lot on the form of the lord treta yam yajato mukhe in treta yuga the process became yagya because people couldn't meditate dwapar the process became temple worship elaborately punctuality and in its ke sath kalauta dhari kirtana in kaliyuga the process only chanting the names of the lord hare krishna hare krishna this mantra specifically appears in the kali santana upanishad so all you have to do to become self realized is to vibrate your tongue chanting the names of the lord that's it no thousands of years of tapasya no elaborate yagyas no elaborate deity worship just chanting the names and you will attain perfection within a short span of time so with time yes things deteriorate and it is going to become much worse what we are seeing now is not even 1% the scriptures clearly mention what is going to happen in the future so this is just uh, not even a trailer <coughs> i would say we not even begun you spoke of kal and uh, if you see the present times uh, you see two things i mean you see people who are uh, atheists but there are those who are becoming uh, grave fanatics and, yeah. and many are resorting to conversion and reconversion hmm. i personally feel that religion is a very personal thing Yes. and it should be left to one to actually connect with whichever god they feel most connected to i may call krishna my family members my brother may say shiva someone yeah. else may say anything else but that does not mean that i am better and the other person is lower why is this trend coming what is what could be the motive behind all this so shila prabhupad who is the founder acharya of iskon he used to say yeah. religion without proper philosophy is fanaticism or sentimentalism when does a religion becomes fanaticism when there is no philosophical understanding of the absolute truth what the religion is all about so all this springs from a very very deep rooted false ego where we think we are better than other it's not that oh he is best my god is best wo to baad mein hai it springs from i am the best why he is the best because i worship him so you also should worship so it is not he uh, uh, this god is better or this religion is better it is because i am the best so he he must also follow this so it is simply uh, false ego and uh, selfish motives and 
no religion actually teaches hatred towards other religion if everybody could read their scriptures well we could live in complete harmony because ultimately you will find so much in common they are all referring to one god why there are wars yeah. in the name, why there are wars in the name of religion caused by immature people who have some selfish motives they want people to bend down in front of them so they use and misuse and abuse religion and uh, uh, it is not about they are not bending down to their religion they are not bending down to me that's it and there is ego are he is not practicing this religion and it is my religion so i must make him bend down so it is that i which is very strong so no religion teaches hatred and uh, anybody whether it be a hindu a muslim a christian a sikh if they read their scriptures well and a lot of times most of us have not read it we just okay this uh, that's it we just go all out but do we even take time out to read our scriptures then we wouldn't be doing all this if fanaticism we have not understood the essence see we are trying if we try to create universal brotherhood how is that possible simply by recognizing that we have a common father so misunderstanding or lack of understanding of this one principle has led to wars in the name of religion or so much chaos so this must stop um, because as you said even the path of the gita look krishna how broad minded he is he speaks about various paths karma yoga dhyana yoga gyan yoga bhakti yoga and the end what does he say in the last chapter towards the end so arjuna i have told you many things shown you many paths now yathechasi tatha guru now do as you like in the bhagavad gita in one place krishna says those who are in, engaged in some form of worship we should not try and distract them or disturb them considering ourselves oh we are at a higher you may be at a superior level but to distract others from what they are doing because they need gradual elevation just pulling them away from that by force is never recommended that is not the path of the gita all religions teach there is one god and all religions teach we must love god and all religions teach we must love everybody because everybody is a child of god so when this philosophy is not understood that's what this is what happens then we try to create chaos we try to create disturbance so much is happening and this is all again only false ego nothing else we want our clan to just become big and whoever it may be whoever it may be whoever thinks like that is not a true follower of his religion whoever it may be i'm not naming one or two somebody but i'm just addressing the philosophy not a particular person or a group of people but i'm just saying i'm just addressing the mentality why can't we live happily together when we know it is the same person so when some Absolutely. people some people exploit based on their selfish motives and then that this is what happens and they have selfish motives and they do not have philosophical understanding or that maturity so that's what is happening mm-hmm. nowadays it's actually very sad uh, anyway um in the book you have spoken of aham brahmasmi ji so is the understanding right that it means that i am brahman and if so where does the guru play a role is the guru really required from what you have just said i feel that that understanding which you are speaking of we need to have a person who's well read who has understood our scriptures well and is able to interpret it right right i feel very often the interpretation is where we miss it so please explain aham brahmasmi and the role of the guru aham brahmasmi i am brahman so brahman means i am spirit i am not matter some people interpreted as 
or misinterpret as saying i am god no that doesn't that's not what oh. it means aham brahmasmi means i am spiritual brahman refers to now brahman word is used in various uh, uh context in the scriptures but when it is said it's i think from vedanta sutra or one of the upanishad aham brahmasmi it refers to i am spiritual being i am spirit i am not matter or material body and this is also the first teaching of the bhagavad gita that we are not these material bodies we are encased in material bodies we are spiritual beings so how can i become god I, we say god is one and all of us are also god that's a contradictory statement so logically also we can smash these statements it means i am spirit i am spiritual i am adhyatmik i am not bhautik i am not material and that is why if we try to understand scriptures from our own point of view we will always end up at this juncture misunderstanding so in any field let let alone the, this we i mean the spiritual field usko side mein rakhte hain let us keep it aside for a while in any field when we want to learn something if i want to learn football don't i take help of a teacher when our children want to learn something don't we send them to the teacher why not have everything is on google books are there in the market why have educational institutions anything anyone want to learn they go to a proper teacher an authorized teacher who teaches them from authorized books spiritual life is no exception you want to learn scriptures you want to learn the truth you have to approach a bona fide teacher who can teach you from the authorized books which are the scriptures and how do we identify the spiritual field that same teacher is known as guru because scriptures talk about what is right and what is wrong in general terms dharma and adharma but the application part has to be understood from a guru only because in some situations dharma might become adharma adharma might become dharma so application part has to be understood from the guru and how do we identify uh, a bona fide guru so there is a triangle guru sadhu shastra so if there is a guru then he must speak in line with the previous great sadhus triangle is guru sadhu and shastra that triangle it should complete a guru is speaking something some guru okay you come across some bona fide or a, a famous guru bona fide nahi let's use the word famous guru so whatever he is speaking is it in line with the previous great sadhus like ramanujacharya madhvacharya and these are proven uh, great souls who have been inspiring so many and their teachings have transformed so many hearts still transforming vallabhacharya and all the ones which i have mentioned here you will find is what this person speaking in line with the previous sadhus number 1 who is god how to love god what is the purpose of life and they have defined it is it in line with what they have spoken and both must align with scriptures guru sadhu shastra and is he speaking is it coming from shastra or no because a lot of times people are just speaking their mind out you see big big uh, things will do and but they will not have even a single picture of god around them they just enjoy that hello around them and that's it so that's not a real guru's job is a guru real guru never says surrender to me he is not attracting people towards him he is attracting people towards god he doesn't say surrender unto me he says surrender to god that is one of the hallmark qualities he doesn't want to enjoy limelight he is saying surrender to him and he is there to connect us with him he is a bona fide representative of the lord so he himself is a devotee he knows the conclusions of the scriptures he is able to teach that to his followers and falena parichayate as they say and the result should tell us whether this is bona fide how many hearts are getting connected to god how many hearts are getting transformed and falling in love with god oh guru ka job hai to make his disciples fall in love with god but that is only love which can satisfy to connect them to give that uh, dimension to their life 
not to keep them on the level of body mind okay tumhari tang mein dard hai do this you do breathing you do this you uh, can learn some techniques that's not the job of a guru's job is to connect people with god that's why that position is there as a guru and to come across a bona fide guru these are the simple external uh, symptoms you can understand but most importantly our desire has to be very sincere because there is a system within the universe that we will be supplied a particular personality in our life according to our desire the sincerity of our desire if our desire is to just have a level of spirituality but we don't want to practice and we don't want to follow which we just want to have something to say when we are sitting in a group of friends oh i also do this i also hear from the gita i also have a guru then that kind of person will enter our life who will just keep us on that level even after 20 years there will be no transformation but if our desire is really serious and sincere to connect and know about him even if we are zero to begin with then that kind of person will enter our life who will hold our hand and guide us towards the destination so our desire has to be very sincere not superficial at all we want a genuine person who can guide us and that kind of person will be sent by the lord into our life it is a fact even if you are sitting in the jungles of amazon in the remotest corner the lord will guide you there also and the person will be sent to your you will guide it to the person <coughs> all we have to say desire the intent and desire excellent Tell me, Prabhu. Uh, from the time that you became a, a devotee of Lord Krishna, have there been any instances that you felt the Lord Himself is there guiding you, supporting you? Could you share a few instances? Uh, see, this happens. Uh, now it's a public platform but uh, you can feel the not going into details but you can always feel that uh, after something happens okay this is happening by the lord's grace because for me also like to speak i am like one of the most introvert people in the world now also you give me one corner in a building i can keep sitting there for 10 days without speaking a word maybe sit with my books and do nothing else but uh, it's very difficult to uh, mention incidents but just it is something which like if somebody is hit with a stone and if you ask him can you tell me how much you are hurt so only that person can experience so experiences uh, if you ask me in general i can say at every moment i can experience that grace from where i was and where i am what goals i had in life and uh, uh, what things happened in my life that led to me becoming a monk now i look back i can connect all the dots every failure every setback every disappointment in the long run has become a blessing and even before i joined iskon there were some attachments and how krishna just took them away in his own style because the way krishna works is very very difficult to understand he is the most mystical person but in the end you find your love and faith in him has grown so how he does things and so i had like one or two big big attachments before i decided to join full time and how krishna knew it is my one of the deepest attachments how he just took it out from my heart in the deepest corner and just threw it away showed it to me it was excruciatingly painful but then it was i felt light after that 6 7 months were a lot of intense struggle so best everything is uh, happening and i am also like a witness so you know i think i uh, details are something which i can't but i can just tell you some general things i can no, honestly no, say i can honestly say he is there he is I there i just want to say that uh, you know while we were talking 
Mm. Uh, I could feel the vibrations, and I hope everyone who's watching this interview felt the same when you were talking about uh, the divine power being with you every single moment. Whatever we call that divine power, uh, it, I could feel it. So I can very well understand uh, what you mean by his presence there every time. Uh, Prabhu, I must say this has been a very enchanting and a very enlightening uh, discussion with you. And I am so grateful that SGRKF Knowledge Series gave this opportunity. And I hope that you know I get another chance to discuss with you and have more clarity on the book and what devotion Beyond.